understand the specific needs of the stakeholder you're supporting. You have to really understand what is it that they care about, what's keeping them up at night, what helps them with the steering of those decisions? What information is it that they need to know about? And a lot of times, especially in this day and age, there's just so much to process, right? So helping them focus on the measures that matter. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. I'm Nilia Sadi, Senior Research Director for Hackett's Finance Advisory Practice and your host for today's podcast. My guests today are Gilles Bonelli, Associate Principal Finance Lead for Europe and EMEA, and Sharon Liao, Associate Principal and our lead for the EPMBI practice in North America. I'll be guiding the discussion, providing context as needed, and as always, a full transcript of this episode can be found at podcast.thehackettgroup.com. Welcome, Sherry and Jill. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Hi, Nelly. Delighted to be here. Thanks, Nelly. Thanks for having us. Glad to have you. So we're talking today about why strategic business partnering is top of mind for finance leaders. What does that mean to be a strategic business partner and the value Business partners can contribute in different parts of the organization and importantly, how you can create scalable adaptive service delivery model that can address the needs of different stakeholders. So Sherry, why don't we begin by talking about what business partnering means? Because it's a word that's bandied around a lot, but means different things to different people. So how do we define business partnering at Hackett? And how does that break down in terms of some of the roles that business partners play within the organization? Sure. Well, it's a great question. It's definitely top of mind for many finance leaders at the moment in terms of how do we get at better business partnering capabilities. Very simply put, business partnering is really around how do you effectively engage with business management, right? And that might come up in a couple of different ways. One, really, how are we providing highly valued services to those business stakeholders, whether that be in commercial, in operations, or maybe other support functions, and how we're providing them to best influence and support key decisions that they care about, right? Secondly, it might be around also facilitating key decision support events, sometimes related to planning and forecasting, but really enabling that optimal selection of tactical approaches to execute against what their strategy is. And probably the last one to round off that list would be around continuously driving improved insight. How do we make sure that we're making the most of the available information out there and really leading leadership to better focus on what decisions they should be making, what actions they should take to help maximize performance? That's great. And we know from our research that that role differentiates. There are different maturity levels in that role. How do you see that maturity curve emerging? Yeah, maturity-wise, you know, there's a lot of typical roles that finance 
almost always plays a part in the provider of information, the reporter of information. That's, you know, the foundational aspect of what at the bare minimum, right, finance partners need to provide. But it's much more than that. And those that really work at these capabilities over time move into avenues where they're actually heavy influencers into that decision-making process. They're thinking about the business risks and constructs that their stakeholders have to really navigate. And in a lot of times when they get to really understanding that business context and the fuller picture, they can be uh, very good advisors and, and huge advocates, right, for the business and championing why they need to have this, this change made or the steering they need to take. So that, you know, there's a pretty broad spectrum with how partnership can evolve over time. But first and foremost, it starts with effective views of information of where things have landed and hopefully ends up in that advisement category. So let's, Gilles, maybe um, we can bring you in and you can drill a little deeper into what the pillars of business partnering role are. What are some of the key characteristics? Sure. I mean, uh, really, the, the, the question often with, with group CFOs is what, what will it take, right, to get up the maturity curve? And, and often when we look at the research, when we look at the project and, and the, the engagement we're having with our clients, it really revolves around six themes, which are themselves six pillars, right? The first one is what we call the performance principles. So this is where the group CFO typically, with the support of the C-suite, really position finance business partnering as the central capability that links finance and the broader performance management agenda. And this is where basically it requires of the broader operational leadership to, to essentially accept in some ways that there is an element of steering that they benefit from the finance function. The second pillar is what we call the scope and service design. So this is really talking directly to the careful consideration that has to be given on the scope of the activities that are undertaken by the business partners. And, it, and essentially in the, in, in the research that we've done, we've achieved a, a very good understanding of, for example, the scope of the activities that should exist between finance and operations, finance and R&D, finance and commercial, finance and the other support functions in the organization. So that scope and service design really defines a, li- a little bit the universe of business partnering. Then supporting that, there is that third pillar that we call methodologies and tools. Okay. So supporting decisions, you know, in the context of, let's say, finance advising commercial is very different from the context of, let's say, finance advising R&D or other GNAs, right? So methodologies and tools really talk to the need for codified approaches complementary technologies to allow finance business partners to engage meaningfully in, in key business steering conversations, again, which are going to be different, right, depending on the context. Now, underpinning all this, often there is a need to free up, uh, particularly the business partners, from the chores of information production, data acquisition. And this is where that fourth pillar that we call analytics, automation, and AI comes and handy, really. So this is about the finance business partners leveraging highly automated processes, advanced analytics, and having comprehensive self-service interrogation capabilities, particularly as it relates to information. So the fourth pillar is, is analytics, automation, and AI. 
Now, if PDAS that we've talked about so far could be applied to other areas, what the difference that we find in in uh, high-performing organization is that they have a clarity on what guides the focus of the business partners. So clarity on guiding focus is, in fact, the fifth pillar that we talk about, right? And clarity of guiding, of, on guiding focus really talk to the level of rigor that is required to define why organization needs business partners in the first place, where the business partners really add values, what are the activities that the business partners really undertake right in practice on the ground in those steering discussions that Sherry alluded to earlier, right? And also how the role of the business partner is supposed to essentially complement other roles in the organization. So clarity on guiding focus is that fifth pillar. And then finally, there is often a need to upskill the business partnering community, which is why the sixth pillar that we call learning and development is also important. So there, this is really about particularly the finance function having some form of finance educational faculty to maintain and deliver not only a set of training course, but also create the opportunity for the business partners to acquire knowledge that maybe sometimes is just adjacent to the core finance function knowledge. Maybe it's about the acquisition of knowledge in the context of a temporary role outside of finance. Maybe it's about creating the opportunity to for the business partners to essentially take part in a broader, more strategic project, right? So that the business partners over time essentially acquire skills which are beyond the technical skills of advising in the context of financial decision and is becoming increasingly tied to that broader uh, strategic agenda, long-term agenda that the strategic business partner will need to influence. That gives us a great idea, both of you, and thank you for your comments. We have a good idea of what it means to be a strategic business partner and what are some of the characteristics or pillars, as Gilles just said, that constitute that role. I'm going to step back and ask a core question here, which is how critical is this effective collaboration between finance and other parts of the organization? to the function's ability to drive value? And what are some of those value propositions that as companies structure their business partnership relationship, they can drive and put into their partnering effort? Well, Nilly, it's highly critical to any finance function. And in fact, according to Hackett's Key Issues, it was the number one area this year that many of our finance organizations we work with have been taking aim at. All of their efforts, a lot of their investments, and many of the initiatives to date that they worked on this year, that we're all at getting to this particular area, right? So whether that be taking a pass at how do we create better partnering capabilities through better capacity, you know, creating capacity to do more of those activities when it matters. Maybe it's redefining that interaction model for how it actually ought to work how it ought to be structured? Is it one-to-many for support functions or countries or regions? Or is there a different way to provide more effective business partnering support? We see a lot of projects and initiatives also on exactly what Jill just mentioned, the upskilling, the promotion of individuals to better develop into partnering capabilities. What does it mean to be a business partner? How do you best communicate? What are some things that we need to arm them with from a framework's perspective to really structure 
effective and efficient partnering support time over time. So highly critical, absolutely critical. It distinguishes the value that the function can bring. There's a lot of value in not just knowing where you are, if you're on or off track on things, but really getting that blessing from finance to really look at the broader picture and what could happen if you were able to make certain changes or anticipate events happening, especially in this market volatility that we're in? Being able to detect some of those things and the impact to your financials, that's highly and critically important today. Yeah. And you referred to, and so did you, to a poll to our research and a poll we recently ran a couple of months ago on the business finance collaboration area. And in that research, we found that finance is playing the most mature partnering role in its interaction with other support functions, other SGNA functions. Why do you think that is the case? And what's hampering the development of some tighter collaboration, Gilles, perhaps if you can attend to that, with other parts of the organization? Sure. So what we're seeing really that by and large, CEOs want their SGNA to add more value and be as lean as possible. This desire influences both the value proposition of the support function themselves in terms of their internal services, and it has consequences on their operating model. But there is a catch, which is that many leaders of SGNA functions lack the insight. They need to guide the right decisions for their functions, and this creates a need for better business partnering from finance. And what our poll draws attention to is really the sources of value that are sought from this partnership with finance. And we really have focused on a number of them, starting with the effective sizing of the SGNA functions, the ability to drive corrective action to meet targets and manage risk in the context of SGNA. There is obviously the finance guiding, the effective selection of KPIs for SGNA functions. There is the support that finance bring to particularly drive the right choices in terms of transformation initiatives and SGNA investment. There is the effective selection of internal and external benchmarks to compare the performance of the GNA functions. And finally, the role that finance play in the effective choice of internal services delivered across GNA. So when we look at what is now hampering that delivery of strategic business partnering in, in SGNA, well, usually it starts with a lack of leadership and often also poor processes, particularly as part of the strategic planning activities of organizations. So there are four questions that probably our listeners should probably consider to test if the business partnering capability between finance and other SGNA function is working in their organizations. So question one, are you modeling your SGNA efficiency, effectiveness, and user experience based on benchmarks? Most instances, that's not the case, right? Are you instilling best practices and emerging innovative practices in SGNA? How do you ensure that your SGNA functions are prepared to scale for planned growth? Do you have the right hypothesis to close any known gaps in SGNA performance, which obviously presupposes that there is a certain level of maturity in, in, in measuring the performance of SGNA functions in finance, HRIT, procurement, sales, and so on, as well as the ability to measure the gaps to performance, right? So I guess if you answered three out of the four questions with some level of confidence and positively, probably you're okay in, 
in terms of uh, business partnering. But if you haven't, then probably there is a need to instill some best practices, look at the six pillars that we've talk- discussed earlier, and probably do a deep dive, right, in, in business partnering specifically applied to SGNA. In Europe, we call this often functional controlling. Right. And I think it's very important because we talk to SGNA because that's where the greatest maturity that we've seen. But there are other areas we touched on, such as R&D and innovation, commercial operations. These different types of collaborations require different engagement models, different ways of delivering the service. So how do you really determine how to structure that model of interaction in the best possible way. Sherry, what are your thoughts? Sure. There's a couple things that I would really think through in this area when you're redefining potentially how to best collaborate, right, with finance business partnering in mind. Number one, top of mind, is really just understand what is it that we're trying to provide from a knowledge standpoint, business expertise standpoint, What are some of those key problems and issues that our business stakeholders are looking for answers on? You have to know the what, right, before you actually know how to solution for providing of helpful information. So that is first and foremost. Second would be really around once you know what that is, creating adequate capacity to really get at what information is needed. And that can happen in a lot of different ways, right? Whether it be redefining what those partnering activities through particular frameworks of interest that you can go back to and advise on could also complement efforts where you're creating capacity to take some of that information production that is needed to generate this information through reports or analytics in a central model. So really thinking about doing that work differently in a leveraged way so that there is more time and attention taken to really look at the advisement piece of it that you're giving to your business stakeholders. And probably last but not least in that area, I'd really have a good think around how do we structure the collaboration in ways that are useful for how the business is anticipating to have that advisement imparted on them. Meaning not everything necessarily is a one-to-one model or can be point-to-point. There might be different ways to really think about, gosh, leveraging key individuals that have great expertise in one area and could possibly be leveraged in another just as usefully to provide that advisement and support. So, you know, now more than ever, we're definitely seeing organizations rethink how they deliver this differently. Adding headcount, adding more people isn't always something that's in the picture. So rethinking how you deliver this and do this work is is critical. Jill, any thoughts on your end? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm particularly thinking about the theme that has divided the community for a long time, right, when it comes to business partnering, which is the theme about whether and to what extent you could centralize aspects of business partnering, right, which is part of of really the the thinking that goes into building a scalable model. And I mean, it used to be the case, I mean, particularly in Europe, it was absolutely taboo, right, to actually even conceive that aspect of business partnering could be centralized, right, or even standardized. So in fact, what we can be sure of now, obviously, with the the advent of digitization, with COVID, which has demonstrated that actually strong business partnering can be particularly delivered remotely, is that there are classes of activities typically wrapped into the business partnering role, which can be centralized, right? And there is no debate about about this. So for example, particularly the activities that align to the reporter role, 
that Sherry introduced earlier, or even the analyst role, right, which is about interpreting information. And, and so what we're seeing is that the engagement model, particularly around a, a role that is a really close to the reporter role, close to the analyst role, is one where the business partners particularly can be, by design, remote, right, from the organization they serve or the, or the function they support, right? Where it becomes less clear is that when you get into the realm of advisement or the, the advocate role, as we also call it in the, in the poll, well, what we're seeing is, is, is some nuances, right? What we're seeing, for example, that uh, particularly the, the business partnering component that applies to partnering with commercial tend to have more of a matrix structure, right? Whereas actually, when it comes again to, to looking at SGNA, again, you've got, you've got a much more centralistic model, including obviously the level of business partnering that gravitate around the advisor and the advocate role. So the, the takeaway here is that in order to build a scalable model, achieve a balance between centralized and decentralized activities, well, you know, companies, leaders have to really unpack business partnering critically look at not only the, the, the value of uh, and how the value vests in business partnering, but also practically how the organization can disentangle those activities that are really about production of information, good data, and good insight versus those activities that are cognitive in nature. And from that, then decide which activities go where, right? What's centralized, what's decentralized, what's heavily supported by human beings versus AI, right? And that's really the challenge, I think to really configure the right type of collaborations between finance and the, and the broader uh, business community. That is a challenge. And I think we've seen from clients and research as well, that while you can talk a lot about being a business partner, there are a lot of challenges companies finance faces in actually productizing mm-hmm. that service. So if you were to think about the three most important considerations or actions you can advise finance organizations to take if they're looking to evolve their partnering role with the business. So I'll ask both of you, I mean, Sherry, if you want to get started, like what are the key things, the key three things our listeners should take away? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is really, I think I said this earlier, but really understand the specific needs of the stakeholder you're supporting. You have to really understand what is it that they care about, what's keeping them up at night, what helps them with the steering of those decisions, what information is it that they need to know about. And a lot of times, especially in this day and age, there's just so much to process, right? So helping them focus on the measures that matter these areas we need to look at together, but these others, you know, that's just context. So providing steering through that even can be super helpful in these times. Second would be coming top of mind is also just giving them context, a little bit of what I just mentioned. So looking at how else can we fill in and tell a broader story of what's happening. That might come from looking at other types of information, maybe other types of data that might be coming in to process to better understand how that affects those measures that matter, right? Not just looking at the financial information that you have at hand, but really seeking out additional answers of related information that could help with that decision-making. So expanding it to be much more of a conversation around 
business context and the stories around that as opposed to the exact answer on that calculated measure. And last but not least, I think for those organizations I've worked a lot with over the years who have strong business partnering capabilities, this concept of the learning challenger mindset comes to mind. So really being comfortable to continuously learn, learn from each other, learn from others who are presenting, understanding how things are affecting each other in the business, but then also learning how to propose challenges, right? And being able to ask these questions and feeling comfortable to ask them in a way that isn't necessarily in a way that's challenging. Why would we make this decision? But really posing some of those what ifs into the conversation. The organizations that excel in these business partnering capabilities tend to be the ones that help pressure test proactively. And so having that learning challenger mindset can be incredibly important to really proving your value as well as an advisor. These are three great points. Anything you would want to add, Jill? Yeah, I, I guess for me, where I see many companies and, and finance function falling short is that often they focus on the wrong area. So I would say wrong area in the sense that they may deliver, let's say, great business partnering in, let's just say it's GNA for argument's sake, but fall short on the key areas that actually drive value in their business, like commercial or R&D, right? The first point is really the first and most important action that I think any executive should take is select the right areas to focus on to align business partnering to value, right? And that goes for looking at it from the point of view of the overall business, but also end-to-end processes as well, right? The second area is, is just be very, very rigorous when you envision the end state, right? Often we work in situation where the business partnering value proposition really reads a little bit like motherhood and apple pie in the sense that you've got a, a series of, of, of great statements, but they are not contextualized specifically in the context of, let's say, the particular processes that the business partners will get involved with. Uh, they're not really spelling out the type of service that are sought from that business partnering support. So envision the end state rigorously would be my second important action. And finally, just be very practical on how you transition from that current state to that end state, right? Yes, capability building is important, but it's futile if your business partners are still consumed by low-level activities because your processes are maybe not standardized or your data is poor, right? So there are some prerequisites, some enablers, that often need to be thought through in the broad context of the operating model of particularly the the GNA at large, the finance function, and specifically that portion of the organization that is going to focus on business partnering, right? And the, the prerequisite and enablers could be as diverse as those that relate to the six pillars, right? That are, that I've outlined earlier. So how to transition and defining a very solid roadmap on how to transition is really the the third, I think in my view, the third and most important action, right? To really envision, to make a dent, right? In, in, in that world of strategic business partnering. Thank you, Gilles. Thank you, Sherry, for joining us today. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at the 
The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackettgroup.com.